Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Is It Normal? The Pregnancy Podcast with me, Jessie Ware. This is a postnatal episode and whilst we'll be talking about those first initial days and weeks of you being with your baby, your newborn, I am nearly seven weeks into the newborn phase and my postnatal phase, but I've been busy being a mum and working it out myself. But we have our resident midwife, Izzy Borton, who's here to take us through what to expect in those first days, the midwife appointments that you're going to have, the checkups, what they're looking out for, what you should be looking out for, what you should not be worrying about, what maybe you should be worrying about a little bit. I have some questions of my own that I kind of put on my phone in the middle of a night feed way back when in July. Um, But yes, Izzy Borton's here. Thank you so much for joining us to take us through the postnatal first few days and weeks of the newborn phase. Izzy, thanks for joining us. Hi, Jessie. How's it all going? It's going great. I think it's going great. I'm pretty relaxed. He just bumbles along and he's wicked. He's great. He's a really calm baby. I'm very, very lucky. I had initially, I think the midwives were focusing on how I was managing with feeding because I'd mentioned that I'd had difficulty in the past. And it is very interesting how, you know, I think we've talked about this before, but how people are approaching feeding um, and how they talk to a new parent about how they're going to feed their baby. Um, I definitely think it's slightly less um, evangelical with just being about breast is best, but I was already stressing out about whether it... Actually, I wasn't stressing out about about it, but I was aware that maybe my boobs weren't going to work perfectly. And so I think that was quite reassuring that they were supportive in that sense. Um, For me, it started off really great. It was like, latch is great, tick, no tongue tie, tick, feeding like a trooper, tick. Oh, your milk's come in second day. Amazing. I was like, oh my God, I'm absolutely bossing this. I had this Tommy Teepee formula bottle maker thing in the, I didn't get out of the pack. And I was like, oh God, am I, am I not going to use that? Then we got to about three weeks and he just seemed really hungry. And it just, my milk was not doing its job probably enough so I started mix feeding and so that's been the kind of my main obsession but that's that's what usually happens to me but I'm good the birth was good I feel like I've recovered really well my pelvic floor I'm just doing a little bit now <laughs> feels all right so for me I feel all right but I know many people will have a different experience um, of their kind of postnatal healing I was lucky enough to not have any stitches you know so what can 
people expect in that first week you know you get to see I mean I think it's it's ramped up now that we're kind of coming out of that really hairy time with COVID and and pregnant people with how much they can see midwives so can you take us through like the the midwife appointments when they happen what you're looking for what are you checking up on yeah of course so as you said everyone's going to have had a different unique birth experience to them and you know whether you've had a vaginal birth or a cesarean, there's going to be a process of healing after your birth. And um, when you see a midwife, um, what they're kind of going to be focusing on is your recovery and how you're doing and, you know, focusing on things like your bleeding. So you bleed after birth and it can as you know, and it can last um, for several weeks. I mean, it can last for up to six weeks, Um, but generally will be kind of an initial week or two of heavier bleeding-like period and then will become a bit lighter. Um, So that's kind of one of the things your midwife keeps an eye on. And if you have concerns that your bleeding's very heavy, you know, you're soaking through your maternity pads um, or your kind of disposable underwear, you know, that's a good time to to reach out and speak to someone you'll also be healing you know like you said you didn't have any stitches but lots of people will have um some healing and sometimes Mm. you've had a tear and those have needed some stitches sometimes you just have a few grazes and things and it can be a bit sore after birth and sometimes you've might have had a more severe tear or if you've had a cesarean you'll have stitches um on your cesarean wound as well so we're always kind of keeping an eye on those making sure you know how to keep them clean and keeping an eye on them and um, that they're healing well and also we always like to talk to you about your your toilet habits as well so that you're passing urine and going to the toilet okay and that can be I think we've touched on this before the kind of yeah the first poo the first poo um after birth for everyone is always a bit of an achievement um so those are the kind of things that we're checking up with you on and when you go home from hospital we tend to make sure that we see you within 24 sometimes 48 hours of you going home from hospital so that will kind of vary a little bit based on where you are in the country and what your kind of local maternity service offers so yeah we try to see you generally within kind of 24 hours of you going home and as you said sometimes that was kind of switched to a not a face-to-face appointment and it might still be the case in some areas but ideally we see you and then we also like to generally see you on day five, um, sometimes day six after your baby's born. Um, most people will be home by then. Some people may still be in hospital having a bit of a longer stay. But generally, if you're home, um, you'll either be invited to a clinic or a midwife will come to see you. And day five, the reason why it's kind of quite a rigid appointment in a way is that we tend to weigh babies on that day and also offer a screening test which is called the newborn blood spot screening test. And that's also known as the heel prick test for the baby. And that tends to be between days five to eight. So that's something else um, that that we offer at that point. And yeah, I mean, at any point, um, we have these kind of routine appointments in place, but I would really encourage anyone, if they have any concerns, to always reach out rather than having to like feel like you have to wait to those appointments, try and seek advice, especially if it's to do with 
um, you know, you're worried about something with your own healing or you're worried about your baby's feeding. And a really, really important thing of kind of monitoring baby's feeding in the first days after birth is how much they're weeing and pooing as well. Um, so we kind of tend to go through these things with you before you leave the hospital if that's where you've given birth or, you know, share that information with you if you're having a home birth so that you know to kind of keep an eye on those things. And then after you've had that kind of appointment around day five, you'll also generally be seen again around day 10 where baby's weighed again and um, also you will have probably heard from a health visitor by this point. So generally you have a midwife and then you also a community midwife and then you also will be contacted by a health visitor and the health visitor is essentially who kind of takes over from the midwife in providing care to to you and your little one until they're uh, I think it's two years old but I think they actually go beyond that but there's kind of regular kind of regular checkups until they're two years old. I wanted to ask you because there's sorry my my little guy has just joined us so you may hear some snuffling and um him feeding um but yeah those first few days with the feeding now we could do a whole huge thing we're going to try and touch on it in another episode but I appreciate that we will never be able to discuss every element of feeding it could be a whole separate podcast series I swear to god like so but with with the feeding and the poos and the wheeze for the baby what are you expecting? Because I know that my baby did the meconium poo really quickly. My milk was came in quite quickly, but he didn't poo for four days. Was doing loads of wheeze though. And the midwives were saying to me, you know, don't worry, we need to poo quite soon. But I think they were trying to not stress me out because I, I was very aware that, you know, I'd Googled that they expect two poos every day or something. I was on day four or five and he hadn't pooed. So what's that? What would that have been a bit of an indication of that he wasn't kind of absorbing the nutrients enough? I don't know that my milk wasn't coming out enough. I don't know. I, uh, well, it's as you say, there's kind of the expected what we call it output. So like the expected amount that we expect babies to wee and poo in the first few days. And it is generally quite a good indicator that they're getting enough if they're because, you know, what goes in comes out um and so like you said with the urine output like him doing lots of wheeze that's a really good sign that he's well hydrated and in the first 24 hours that a baby's born we generally expect them to do at least one wee and one poo and it you know Mm -hmm. kind of tells us everything's working and obviously they've not really consumed much by that point but um kind of being born and starting to feed and you know they're all of these process starting for them um, on a regular basis just kind of gives us that reassurance that that they're well. So once it gets in the first 24 hours in terms of the feeding, um, if you are breastfeeding or chest feeding, you'll notice that often your baby will feed quite soon after birth and they have lots of instincts when they're born to kind of feed straight away. They can be quite alert and I don't know if we talked about the kind of breast crawl before where the baby kind of finds the breast themselves. So they have these real strong instincts to feed. But generally in the first 24 hours, they can be quite sleepy. You know, they've been through the same kind of birth process as you and that can leave everyone a bit tired. And um, 
they might not feed super regularly but generally they you know we just encourage lots of skin to skin and to kind of offer whenever they look like they're interested um from kind of 48 hours onwards so you you will see them feeding a little bit more the next day after birth and then from 48 hours onwards we tend to talk about you know at least eight feeds into 24 hour period and that doesn't mean that the baby has to feed every three hours it's very much led by what we call kind of responsive feeding so responding to your baby's needs and then responding to yours so you know your baby telling you they're hungry with those feeding cues where they're awake and looking around and chewing on their hands and then also you if you're starting to feel full in your breasts then that's also an indication to feed so that's the kind of general you know I wouldn't say sometimes if a baby is feeding they're not feeding as frequently as eight times in 24 hours it can be that they're not getting enough and if they're feeding 20 times in 24 hours it might be that another indication that actually maybe they're not getting much when they're feeding and that's why they're feeding super regularly but generally there's not like a wrong number of times to feed it's just what's right for you for you and your baby so with the out with the kind of wheeze and poos you should steadily see it increase each day so day one we hope to see one of each day two we hope to see two of each and kind of gradually increases so I tend to say to people however many days old they are up until about five or six they should be doing that number of wet nappies and then from that point onwards as long as it's kind of at least five or six a day that's a good sign um you'll notice them getting heavier because if as your milk comes in if you know if you are breast or chest feeding then as your milk comes in they'll obviously be getting greater volumes and you'll see heavier nappies but they are in the first few days when they're getting that colostrum they are designed to have those kind of smaller amounts of volume going in and they have they're born with like extra fat on them that kind of helps in those days when feeding is established um so it's not that you need to really worry about that they're getting these huge amounts of volume in the first couple of days but feeding regularly is a good thing because it will help to bring your milk in sooner and um, for your kind of supply to establish because it is a supply and demand system the more they feed the quicker you produce milk and the more milk you know your body knows to produce dependent on how frequently they're feeding so what I would say is with your baby Jesse it seems like your midwives were quite confident that everything he seemed well in himself and so that's what we're kind of taking into account when we look at a mum and a baby parent and a baby is that looking at the whole picture and you know it might be yeah like they said we would expect a poo but feed everything else seems to be going well and it is possible for babies to get constipated and for it to take a little bit of time for everything to pass through Another good thing to keep an eye on is not just how many poos they're doing, but also the colour of the poo. So in the first 24 to 48 hours, it will be that really dark, sticky poo that we call meconium. And it kind of looks like marmite. It actually doesn't smell too bad, which is a blessing, but it is quite a tricky one to clean off your baby. (laughs) It's very sticky. And then as they start to digest milk, it will become more of a green colour. And then eventually when your milk comes in or when they've, if 
if you're formula feeding your baby and they've been formula feeding for a few days, it will become more of a mustardy yellow colour. If a baby's receiving human milk, you'll notice the poo is like very wet and I've even had parents say to me oh I think my baby has diarrhea but actually that's just totally normal really wet bright yellow poo sometimes with seedy bits in if the baby's formula feeding you might notice it's a bit more pasty it's not quite as loose it's it's a little bit more solid and that's just because it's it's a different substance as in it just kind of tends to be how those poos look so yeah that's another good sign okay so feeding leads on to weight weighing um why do you decide to weigh on the fifth day and what are you looking for and what is normal weight loss because usually the baby is going to lose weight after coming out but what is kind of the normal level of weight loss we're looking at and expecting yeah so absolutely we do generally expect babies to lose a little bit of weight and that's because for most babies their the feeding is establishing in the first few days and you know they if a baby is breast or chest feeding then like we said before there's the process of the milk having to come in um the colostrum in the first few days is quite small quantities so we do expect um an amount of weight loss and you know if a baby doesn't lose any weight or even gain weight we're always quite um like thrilled as midwives that you don't see it that often so the kind of general rule and you know this this does vary based on the general picture and looking at a baby and how they seem and taking into account those other things we've talked about like the wheeze and poos and how feeding's going but we generally say that anything below 10% is within a normal range of weight loss and anything above 10% might be an indication I would say anything between 10 to 12% is definitely an indication that we maybe need to give the parents some support with feeding and then anything over 12% is a definite sign that the baby's really not getting as much as they kind of need to in terms of volume and it's quite rare to see big weight losses with formula fed babies we see it more often with babies who are breastfeeding because it's a bit more of a, a skill in terms of learning to breastfeed and both you and your baby learning to breastfeed in those first few days we know that lots of people face challenges with that um and with you know if you're formula feeding a baby it it tends to be that your baby is going to take that more easily and you know how much is going in so we don't tend to see weight loss with formula babies but it's it's not you know extreme weight loss it's not impossible but might be an indication of something else going on so I think, you know, hopefully in a really ideal world, we wouldn't see those extreme weight losses because you would have received support before day five of your Mm. feeding if you were having problems. Um, It's not always the case. And sometimes it really does surprise us. We think, you know, everything's been going well and you still see those weight losses and need to kind of put a bit of a feeding plan in place. So what I would say is generally if you've had excessive weight loss your baby's lost more than we expect then it would be really good for you to have some specialist support with feeding and it might be that your your midwife can provide that alone or it might be that she can refer you to kind of local breastfeeding services in your area to kind of help with if you know if you're wanting to continue breastfeeding and it's just that you need 
some more support with your positioning and attachment or with increasing your milk supply. You mentioned tongue tie as well, Jessie. So there's lots of these kind of common issues that we see, um, which are quite, you know, can feel so overwhelming at the time, but there's so much support available as long as you kind of know where to access it. Well, I wanted to know with, with, because some babies are criers and some babies are not such loud little things. And sometimes the cries can indicate different things. Do you think that that, do you as a midwife, can you spot what a different kind of cry is indicating whether it's hunger or if it's pain or if it's tiredness? Is that something that like we should all be able to recognize? Or do you think that's just something that you you work out as you go along and you kind of start understanding and getting to know your baby? Yeah, I think that's exactly. I think generally the parents are the best um you get, you'll get to know your baby better than anyone else um, and you'll definitely start to tune into your baby's needs and it is a process of learning that in the first few days and it can feel overwhelming like what do they want but to be honest most of the time they just want you and I think it's kind of building your confidence as a parent in those first few days you just feel so kind of everything is you're like if it's your first baby you're learning all these new skills and even if it's not your first baby this baby's different to all your other babies and they're going to have their own little personalities I would say like generally there's certain things we talk about sometimes as being like a worrying sign if a baby has a particularly high-pitched cry but you know or if a baby's very unsettled and it's very difficult to settle the baby through kind of the normal things you do like skin to skin and having them close to you or having them feed but I would say if you're if you're kind of worried about your baby's crying then it's okay to to seek support it might be that it's completely normal and it's just you know when they're born they're taking in so much of this new world they're learning to regulate all these different processes in their own body that they've never had to do before and it is a totally kind of just such a massive change for them that from that minute they're born so they do just need tons of closeness and comfort and um, sometimes that comfort comes you know a lot of the time comes through feeding for babies so that can be another reason why babies want to feed is because they want comfort and it doesn't necessarily mean it's because they're not getting enough food um it's just their way of it's a sensory experience for them um that keeps them kind of calm and reassured um but I do think you know it definitely Mm. is like a really emotional time for like everyone and um you know with all the hormonal changes that are happening in your body as well when you've just given birth everything can feel like the the most you know overwhelming thing in the world especially your baby's cry especially that lack of sleep added to it yeah let's let's talk let's talk about that day three hormones you know that everyone talks about when the milk comes in there can be tears why is that so yeah you're going through all of these major hormonal shifts when your baby's born and you get huge surges in hormones which um are kind of released that some of those have been kind of really suppressed throughout the pregnancy and then you're seeing those massive changes after the birth and that's kind of triggered by the birth itself and by the baby feeding and you know even if you're not breastfeeding or chest feeding then you will still feel these hormonal shifts and it's likely you know for everyone after birth that your milk is going to come in that tends to be around day three or four 
and you'll usually what you'll find the key the kind of key indicators are tends to be that your baby starts to kind of constantly feed around the second night and this often coincides with you going home from hospital so you've like had a baby in the hospital that's been really calm and quiet constantly sleeping seems like a total angel and then you get home and they're suddenly really alert constantly awake wanting to feed up all night and you're and it suddenly feels quite like oh my goodness what's happened this wasn't the baby that I had 24 hours ago and that's them kind of waking up and doing all the things they need to do in order to help bring your milk in um so the more they feed especially during nighttime hours the more milk you're going to produce so although it seems a bit kind of counter you know you're you're absolutely exhausted and you're suddenly your baby's wants to party all night long they are doing the right thing in in the sense that they're they're trying to tell your body okay please um bring in all the milk that i need in the amount that i need it and um that can be obviously by this point you've given birth that your labor might have been several days long you know for some women they've had inductions so they've had many days of being in a hospital if you've had a cesarean you're also probably in quite a lot of discomfort at this point and the the kind of sleep deprivation is really setting in just as your baby's deciding that they want to stay up all night feeding and it can be really really hard on top of all those emotional changes it's kind of a massive cocktail of feeling totally out of control and just feeling all those emotions you've just become a parent and yeah it's massively it's a massive shift and change and it's not that it's suddenly oh when the milk comes in and then oh you totally suddenly feel okay again but I think it it is this real um surge and this kind of like point where most you know most women and birthing people tend to feel that kind of quite intensely just a few days after birth and we kind of call it in the first kind of week or so we talk about having those kind of baby blues or just feeling very emotional quite tearful and that is really normal and you know like we've talked about all these changes happening um and your recovery it, it feels very kind of raw really raw time but i would and, and quite vulnerable as well i think um but i would say that you know tends to be that you start to feel better after those first few weeks and if you're not if those kind of if that tearfulness and real kind of low mood or anxieties are really persisting then then that's definitely a point to kind of reach out and talk to talk, talk to your midwife or health visitor or family member or a friend or anyone to to kind of share those feelings do you think sometimes it's also important for your birth partners your people around you to be aware of those changes and that potential shift because you may not feel you may feel embarrassed to say I'm struggling or you may feel ashamed you may feel um, that it's just supposed to be what happens you're supposed to feel like this so do you think do you think it's important for you to communicate this or, or the people around you to be aware um, and to feel like they can contact the midwife or the health visitor instead of you. Yeah, absolutely. I think often the people closest to you, you know, they're going to notice changes in your behaviour. But I think also you can be quite good at hiding it sometimes. Those 
if you are yeah. having dark kind of those thoughts and feelings that you're ashamed of yeah. um it can be quite a, an isolating experience and I think you know women can be really good at hiding it so absolutely I think having open and honest conversations with your partner before you have a baby about these things and the changes to expect and you know to to kind of also expect there to be changes in your relationship with your partner um because it's you know this massive change in your life and you're both becoming parents and those that's a new role for you so definitely you know anyone close to you that's worried can help you um to seek support and can reach out and ask you know if what you're experiencing is is normal or if it's something that needs a bit more time and support spent on on looking into how to help you feel better um and I think yeah it's definitely about having really good support in that postnatal period you know the fourth trimester as it's called of making sure that everyone that you love that's around you is helping to support you in any way that they can whether it's you know coming round and putting a washing on or bringing you a cooked meal or doing your shopping all of those things are obviously infinitely helpful when you're you know struggling to even brush your teeth and have a shower so that's you know I'm not wanting to make this sound like it's this awful thing when you've just had a baby like it's totally obviously such a special time but it's a really unique time in that you are kind of so your kind of day-to-day role as a person is just like totally different from what it was before you had a baby you know if you potentially were working if you you know were working up until your kind of 38 39th week of pregnancy um had a few weeks of maternity leave and then had a baby your your day-to-day you know like I said is going to be suddenly so different from what it was before and I think it's just that shift in identity is also can feel a bit destabilizing for some people and it's just getting into the groove of that as well like we talked about you know having you you can't kind of control the birth that you're going to have you kind of have to almost like relinquish that control it's almost the same as when you have the baby you have to relinquish any expectation of how the baby's going to behave how the baby's going to feed how the baby's going to sleep how you're going to feel you know one of the things that people talk about is not connecting with their baby straight away and I don't have to ask if this is normal because I I had a similar thing with my firstborn where I kind of I looked at her and I felt like a really bad Neanderthal because I looked at her and I was like she doesn't look what I expected her to look like not that you know she was came out perfect she was brilliant she was cute she was for me it was not the baby that I expected to have and it took me it really knocked me it it threw me you know people talk about that feeling of being instantly in love and did it and all that you know it's rose it look that can happen for people absolutely and a lot of people it will happen but is it quite common for people to not have that instant connection and then they're given this huge task of then keeping this little thing alive and it being you know reality really hits where you're like okay I'm now mother and I'm now a parent and I don't know this human and I I need to now keep it alive and it's not just a Tamagotchi (laughs) no I think you've hit the nail on the head it's I think it is much much more common than anyone realizes when they're going through it themselves and you know, it's 
everyone hopes for that immediate instant you know your baby's placed on your chest and you're you know suddenly infinitely in love with this tiny thing and it's not like that for everyone it takes time um for some people to feel that bond developing and I think it's just a case of being really kind to yourself and having kind of faith in that process that it it will come um and just taking it day by day and and not putting unnecessary pressures on yourself to to be this kind of perfect version of what you imagine a a new parent to be and yeah I think just really kind of like you said like surrendering to the whole process a little bit and I think that is really tough for for a lot of people so um it will come it just might take you kind of a bit of time to get out of that immediate fog of the like postnatal period to kind of really feel those kind of feelings develop. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I definitely feel like there's a point when you get past the six weeks, and it is a fog um, where you're just like in a blur, you're surviving on coffee and sugary carbs and you don't know what day it is you yeah you won't wash your hair for a week you you know can't wee on your own because the baby wants to be on you all of that it's and we're making it sound really negative it's it's magic and it's amazing and it's a privilege and all of that but it is wild but you know I feel like oh I've got a seven week old now and I kind of I feel like I understand him now also I've done it before and he's quite calm and so I feel very you know I'm, I'm lucky that he's kind of he's 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 not uh, he doesn't like burping that's the only thing but yeah I I think it's just very important and this is me speaking as somebody who's done it before and it's not me prescribing any but just being yeah kind to yourself and patient and taking all the help and communicating that I mean it's it, it's it's a wild old gig but they start smiling at around <laughs> six weeks too which is exactly when you need them to I guess isn't it when you're like mate yeah. give me something I I am tired I digress sleep 
sleep when the baby sleeps. That's what they say. That is quite hard when you are like amped up on adrenaline and these mad love hormones and and you are so excited about this new thing or just kind of so past the point of being you can't you, you kind of you're running on mad adrenaline sleep when the baby sleeps how like how normal is it for people to be able to do that I mean and how how important is it for your your feeding for your emotional state all of that yeah it's I mean it's definitely like one of those sayings that we always toss about and then in reality it's really hard to actually have it work like that um and I think that's why I was saying you know before about having support in place because sometimes you want to have a nap but you're like but the place is a mess and I haven't got any food in and I you know I want to have a shower and and then you prioritize something over the sleep so yeah I think as much as you know that your baby's going to feed every, you know, few hours and, you know, as much as you prepare yourself for that mentally before, there's just nothing really like it when, when you're actually living it. And it can feel, I think it can, you know, that kind of sleep deprivation can make people feel like they are losing their kind of mind a little bit. (laughs) Um, And I think it's just trying to find a way with those that you have around you for support to to get rest in whenever you can kind of tag teaming naps with your your partner if you have one um or if you have visitors coming over I mean I know this this is the other thing is obviously you have lots of people wanting to come and meet your new baby and to see you and congratulate you and as much as you want that too sometimes those kind of middle of the afternoon naps that your baby's having is the best time for you to go to bed yeah. as well um and it can feel quite overwhelming having tons of people wanting to pop in and meet meet your new baby and I think often does feel very much about the meeting the new baby and you're kind of maybe not the one they're like so excited about seeing it's all about coming for fresh baby cuddles so I think it's just setting those boundaries making sure that if you have visitors that they're people that you know you truly want around you in those first few days and that they're gonna be supportive in in other ways as well as giving baby cuddles and feeling like you might have plans in place for someone to come around on Thursday afternoon and then it gets to Thursday morning and you've had a horrible night and you can't cope and you just might need to say sorry can you come another day and I think it's knowing that, that that that's okay um and everyone's going to get to meet your little one at some point and um, build relationships with them. But if it's a case of, you know, actually being able to get a bit of sleep in before you know you're going to have a bit of a mammoth night with the feeding and things, then sometimes it's about prioritising um, that and not feeling guilty about it as well. Just not not feeling that that's, you know removing those expectations and and knowing that it's really important for you to look after yourself and that goes with sleep eating you know all of those things if you are as well rested as possible and fed and you know happy then then your baby will be or at least will be you'll be in more of a fit state to feel like you can be everything that you Mm. need to to be and and do for your baby Let's talk about afterpains because I didn't know about afterpains until baby number two. And I was like, 
why do I feel like I'm in labour again and I'm breastfeeding? Can you explain to us what afterpains are and are they normal to experience? So after you've had a baby, um, obviously your uterus has grown to a size that can accommodate your baby and the placenta and all the amniotic fluid around them. And then all of that's come out of the uterus and it does a pretty effective job of kind of contracting straight after birth when it pushes your placenta out but then it needs to keep doing more of that contracting and more of that kind of coming back down to its pre-pregnancy size and that is basically it is your uterus contracting it feels a bit more than period pains like you say Jessie and it can happen when you're breastfeeding because when you're breastfeeding you're releasing oxytocin it's what the hormone we've talked about that works on your uterus in labor but it also has a role in breastfeeding so when your baby's feeding at the breast it's also going to cause your uterus to contract and you might find that you have slightly heavier bleeding whilst you're breastfeeding because your uterus is contracting it tends to be that those pains get worse with each baby you have um, which is why you said you kind of didn't feel it after the first baby so much but then second and third it was really quite painful so that's just basically because your uterus is having to work a bit harder to get back down to its pre-pregnancy size and um, you know it's fine to to take things like paracetamol or ibuprofen if you're having those really strong pains in fact I'd recommend it because on top of everything else you know you don't want to be in additional Mm. additional discomfort I wanted to know, and is it also normal for your tummy? Because you'd like to think with the after pains, it's making your tummy go back in. If the uterus is contracting, then surely you're going to have a flat stomach by after all this pain. Now, is it normal for your tummy to protrude for, you know, longer than a few days after the baby? I mean, I know my body's been different on each of these births and post, you know. Is that quite normal? Like, when should we expect to be seeing the old tum kind of, start deflating a bit well it is totally normal for your body not to spring Mm -hmm. back to to you know what it was like before you had a baby and in fact will probably never be quite the same again and I say that in the best way possible because you know you've grown a baby Mm. so of course it's never going to be the same everything has kind of housed this little person for nine or ten months and everything's grown and stretched and you know accommodated all of that process happening so it will take some time for everything to for that kind of your tummy to come back down a little bit you know you might still have some stretch marks from where your tummy stretched if you've had a cesarean that's going to take a bit longer because everything's Mm. in a process of healing to even a greater extent and there's lots of layers that are healing you might have quite a bit of water retention um so absolutely you know you might think gosh I still look pregnant but it just give yourself time know that the healing process does take time we always talk about this kind of magical six-week period but it's not that you get to the end of that and suddenly everything's back to normal. It it can take longer than that. I think what we mean by that is, you know, by six weeks, we're, you know, expecting wounds to have healed, you to be feeling capable of doing normal physical activity and, you know, all of those types of things. But we're not necessarily expecting you to look exactly as you, you know, did before. 
so it's just a case of taking it really easy um you know not overexerting yourself it's good to, to go out for little walks and get fresh air and all that kind of thing but don't be going doing you know intense exercise a few weeks after you've given birth and just being really kind to yourself nourishing your body with you know all the kind of good food that you need and um, staying really well hydrated and resting when you can and just giving yourself that time to recover well I don't know why I'm thinking about exercise and pelvic floors and weighing yourself when you just get to the door it seems like you always wee yourself just when you're about to open the get your keys out of the door post baby that's what I always do in fact uh, I had a really brilliant moment in the park the other day where my toddler and I both wet ourselves and he had a change of clothes but I didn't so that was a shame and I had to use the nappy bag as uh, a tool to hide my wet bottom um let's talk about wetting ourselves uh, postnatally and that pelvic floor and when can you start kind of working on it and um you know why why are your weeds like waterfalls I mean wow they come for like they, they go on for like a minute and they are yeah it's it's wild those first kind of few weeks of weeing it's yeah you you are now the f- Iguazu falls whilst you wee <laughs> So, I, well, what I would say is you can start doing pelvic floor exercises, you know, pretty much straight away. There's no kind of time that you have to wait. You can start doing them as soon as you feel able to after having a baby. And if you've had stitches, then it's actually often, you know, around your perineum and vagina, actually starting to do some gentle pelvic floor exercises where you're just kind of engaging those muscles helps bring blood flow to the area and helps heal things faster so the sooner you can do them the better would that feel uncomfortable though if you've got stitches it might feel i'd say wait until it doesn't feel you know uncomfortable and painful but yeah, but it might be that you can just gently engage your pelvic floor and it, it will all feel totally different at first. Like if you've been doing regular pelvic floor exercise in pregnancy and you've then had a vaginal birth, your baby's passed through your pelvic floor, everything's going to feel totally different when you first start doing them again. And even if, you know, when you've had a cesarean, you can still have pelvic floor issues because although your baby hasn't passed through your pelvic floor your pelvic floor has still been supporting the pregnancy, like supporting the weight of your baby and everything. So you can still have pelvic floor issues. So it's it's kind of good for everyone to do them. You might have some initial kind of pelvic floor weakness and a bit of leaking of urine. What I would say is if you're you're still regularly leaking urine, you know, two, three weeks after the birth, that it would be really good to kind of speak to a pelvic floor physio speak to your midwife and see if you can get referred it might be that they don't want to see you until a little bit later on you know that six weeks mark there's a really good app actually called the squeezy app which is like an nhs app yeah that was developed by pelvic floor physios and that's a really good starting point if you don't know if you're doing your pelvic floor exercises quite right and i think the other thing is probably because you're running around after two other kids Mm. as well as your baby you might just not be going to the loo enough and then yeah when you get to the loo you've got a really overfull bladder so that's something I also encourage people to do in the postnatal period is just go try and go to the loo every two hours and especially if you've had a catheter in the course of your labor which you might have had if you'd had an epidural in your labor or if you'd had a cesarean birth um 
you would have had a catheter in your bladder to drain your bladder and once that's removed some people do experience a few bladder issues just tend to be short term but it's almost like you have to retrain your bladder to know to go to the toilet again so it's a case of going regularly to remind yourself that you need to go and getting kind of into that habit of of not leaving it till your bladder's like bursting (laughs) because then it will be much harder for your pelvic floor to to do its job another thing that midwives seem to be hot on jaundice your baby will may change color in the first few days why is it so important to address jaundice and what should parents be looking out for as signs of jaundice So jaundice is actually quite common in newborns. About six out of 10 newborns will develop what we call physiological jaundice or breast milk jaundice. And it tends to happen from kind of day three onwards. And you'll notice a kind of yellow tinge in your baby's skin or in the whites of their eyes or in like the gums in their mouth. And what jaundice is, is essentially when a baby's born, they go through a process of breaking down a lot of excess kind of red blood cells and reproducing those blood cells. And when blood cells break down, they give off a waste product called bilirubin. And bilirubin is what kind of makes them yellow basically it sits in the skin and it has this kind of yellow pigmentation and um, they have to go through that process some babies are just a bit more efficient at doing it than others it might be if your baby was born a bit earlier so if they were preterm or if they were kind of 37 weeks they're more likely to be jaundiced because their liver is slightly less mature um and you know even babies born 40 weeks 41 weeks and over can still get jaundice and it tends to be that if a baby's feeding well and they're weeing and pooing regularly um that this will just pass over time as by around two weeks when their liver gets more mature but we would still like to know kind of about any baby that looks jaundiced so that we can do a full assessment and kind of check the level of the jaundice because some babies will need treatment for their jaundice about one in 20 will need treatment um, to help the process of breaking down those extra blood cells and removing the bilirubin from their bodies and what's that treatment entail so it's usually um, something called phototherapy and that is essentially a light that they sit under a type of light that helps to break down the um I think it's a UV light that helps to break down the blood cells and helps them kind of eliminate it and yeah about one in 20 babies will need that treatment which would be in a hospital and you obviously stay with your baby and it doesn't hurt them at all they do have to be under either a lamp or sometimes they have these blankets that have the the like light kind of built into it which is called a billy blanket and that can take you know does tend to mean that they have to have blood tests and things like that to make sure that they're getting rid of the jaundice and the the treatment's helping but um signs to look out for in your baby are you know obviously the pigmentation we talked about in the skin but also and you know in babies with darker skin it might not be as obvious so it is important if you notice other changes in your baby's behavior you know it might see it in the whites of the eyes 
looking a bit more yellow. But if you notice your baby just being very sleepy, not waking to feed, quite floppy in their kind of tone, like they're quite, um, seems like their limbs are a bit floppy when you're holding them. If they have kind of very pale stools or very dark urine. So those are all signs of probably jaundice, which is a you know, more severe and we'd want to definitely know. You said contacting your midwife or local maternity unit or GP or, you know, whoever you're receiving care from in that situation is really important. And there is a type of jaundice that can develop in the first twenty four hours, which isn't so normal. It's more likely to be linked to kind of underlying conditions and you know, generally in that time your baby's still in the hospital, so it would be noticed. But if you go home you know, maybe 10 hours after you've given birth, if everything's been straightforward, and then you notice any of those signs in the first 24 hours, then definitely um, seek help kind of straight away. I I have baby brain. That is something that you get when you're pregnant, but also it stays with you guys. So just warning, it gets even worse because you're, you're tired and then you still have baby brain. So I probably have 10,000 more questions to have ask you but I can't I can't think of them um but I do hope that this has been helpful for everybody to just understand there's a lot going on in that first in that in that initial phase of um giving birth I hope this episode doesn't stress everybody out to be like and this to look at you may get all of these things none of them one of them but hopefully you just um have a bit of an understanding and I hope um I hope you have an easy breezy time more than likely it may not be always easy breezy but that's okay because that's completely normal but I do um I do hope everyone's all right thank you so much to Izzy for taking us through those first few days and weeks and please if anything just get the support around you that's all I'd say I'm sure that's what Izzy would say too just like ask for help whether it's a a lasagna from your mate or someone holding the baby whilst you get 40 minutes I don't know that's all I could say but that's my one bit of advice that I would say. I don't know, Izzy, have you got anything to say? Parting, <laughs> parting words with your listeners? Absolutely. I mean, I think that's the thing. Ask for support, kind of surrender to the process, enjoy just being in bed yeah. with your little one, having cuddles and just know that, yeah, it's it does go by in a, in a flash and you'll want to, you'll look back and you'll just, it will all be a bit of a blur, but hopefully it will be a kind of, hazy cozy blur of of love and a bit of sleepless nights as well (laughs) but yeah you'll make your way through it and it will be a a massive achievement sending you all loads of well wishes and love and support and caffeine and thank you for listening to is it normal and we hope that this has just kind of you know helped you feel a bit more reassured it's definitely not the be all and end all everything we're saying we, we, it's advice it's it's expertise from all our wonderful experts but ultimately you are the expert in you and your baby and i think it's always just really brilliant to trust your instincts but we hope that all these little bits of extra knowledge and information help you along your way a little bit more easily i need to go and burp my baby now because he's gonna go for a nap i think and maybe I will too. Or maybe I'll just put Netflix on because that's what I like to do these days. I like to eat food in bed with Netflix on. And I, I implore everyone to do the same, to be honest. Now, we have lots of bonus episodes to help you around the postnatal period and just take them, enjoy them, absorb them, take what you will. But um, yeah, please take care of yourselves. Lots of love. 
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com